Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the Word. Today, we're going to bring you a teaching on how true worship works. This will be very interesting. We're excited to be sharing it with you. We want to welcome all of our listeners from around the world, around the United States, and internationally. As you come in our podcast to study the Word of God, we want to remind you about contacting us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. Uh, we uh, look forward to hearing from you a question, a word of encouragement, or maybe God is laying us on your heart for some specific reason of which we could involve ourselves with you and your ministry. Feel free to contact us. want to remind you of our book, I Surrender, uh, in Amazon and in your local bookstores. Today, again, we're going to talk about how true worship works. This will probably take at least two sessions to get through, but we'll do part one of how true worship works today. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the word of God says to us. And then may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed in the image of your dear Son, Jesus, speak to us out of the Holy Ghost. Reveal to us what you need for us to know, do, demonstrate, and understand. As you do, we will receive the revelation. And we will release it to your people so that we can be blessed, so that we can be corrected, so that we can be transformed into the dear image of yourself. We give you praise and honor and glory for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. How true worship works. Look into John chapter 4, verse 24. But the hour cometh, verse 23, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is looking for such to worship him. Worship is the most misunderstood part of our church culture. We're aware that we must not get caught up in the worldly trappings of music, well, simply because it has no lasting value to us spiritually. Worship is an individual act that is completed in the church in a corporate setting. Now, the trap comes in when the corporate setting overshadows the individual act. When it does, it becomes a performance that had little or no impact and little or no influence upon the one that is worshiping. Greater yet, it has no little, uh, uh, little impact or little influence in the area of which it is required to minister. Heaven is not moved. How do we know that? Because the worshiper is not moved. How do we know that? Because when the music stops, 
the worshiper just goes back into a place of his natural conditions, natural thought, natural actions. When the music stops, they just sit down. There's been nothing that has been moved in them in the inner man. The natural soulish realm has been satisfied, but to nourish or minister to the inner man has not been accomplished. So, that person simply moves forward with no, absolutely no inner direction. Now, here's where the issue really comes to bear. Having gone into the soulish realm instead of the worship realm, the person now equates worship with the realm that satisfies the entertainment value that his soulish or flesh side has been looking for. It becomes nothing more to him than watching an action movie or watching a comedy on television where his soulish side is satisfied with what has been done. The soulish realm is satisfied because it received the upbeat message that was produced by the entertainment we call worship. The spiritual side is neglected because it has received nothing of benefit that would stir up the gift of Christ that is in him. Now why is this stirring important? Because for worship to occur, my friends, we must leave the natural realm and cross over into the spirit. We know that in order to do that, we must utilize the evidence of the spirit and that will often lead us into a place where we will speak with a heavenly language. Now let's explore the means to prepare ourselves for worship that transforms us. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye, you, that's why I say it's an individual act in a corporate setting, present your bodies a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is not done through corporate worship. It is done in you as you surrender yourself. It is not done by the entertainment of those who play, sing, and dance on a platform. It is done by an individual act from the inner man that gives out worship that God sees as holy and acceptable and God says is your individual reasonable surface. Not to be conformed to what's going on in the dance video that's happening on your stage or the baseline beat that is coming down and rumbling inside of you. No, you're not to be conformed to that, but you are to be conformed by the renewing of your mind. Change.
changed, fundamentally changed through worship. This scripture has insight into our worship to which we may not have given enough value. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. In the worship process of every believer, there must be an understanding of the tabernacle worship process. Why is that? Because that process that we saw enacted in the wilderness by Israel was in fact the world's revelation of the tabernacle process that is completed in heaven. So when Paul calls the people to come near and be invited and come and be comforted by the mercies of God and that they yield their bodies, he is referring to each believer bringing himself for presentation to God expecting the mercy of God to accept the offering. This is related to the entire tabernacle worship process. Of course, we've studied that, and we know that Israel used this as their worship system. The beginning of our worship will correlate with what happens in the bra- at the brazen altar of which the sacrifice was laid. Paul says that we coming into the structure and the house of God become a living sacrifice. These words must be understood where worship is concerned in that we walk into the arena of worship to lay ourselves upon the altar. Now this is completely different than what we consider to be worship to be. We think in our modern day system of worship that God is here to serve us. Isaiah 43, 24, Thou hast brought me no sweet cane with money, neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices, but thou hast made me to serve with thy sins. Thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. Israel had taken advantage of his faithfulness and his integrity and lived a very haphazard life. Their relationship to the tabernacle was part of their rebellious behavior. Why do I say that? Because they can live under the expectation of the law and make sacrifice for their sin and God would always be faithful to forgive them. In essence, they had caused themselves to be comforted in their own wickedness much like and very similar to our doctrine that says we are once in grace, always in grace. Therefore, we could be comforted by grace while we lived in our wickedness. This was the means for the time, but it was not to continue when Jesus came and was made the once and for all sacrifice for sin. However, man is predictable. In his sinful mind, we in the church have come to the house of God absent of an offering or a sacrifice. We expect that God will show up and show out to express and validate himself, not for us to show up and validate ourselves as his servants. That is the nature of what is done in churches today when we consider the means by which they 
developed worship and praised. It's the most topical type of worship. It's a shouting and a demonstration. This, my friends, was not and is not the direction that a trip to the tabernacle after the cross was supposed to take. We ought to come and crucify ourselves before him. We are to present ourselves as living sacrifices. Now, what does that mean? It means that we do not come to be ministered to, but to minister. A dead sacrifice offers its blood to cover another sin. A living sacrifice has offered and died, but by the divine plan of God continues to validate the offering day after day. For this purpose, Jesus was seen of over 500 after his resurrection. This is what Jesus has done for us. He offered, and his sin offering died, but he was resurrected with a new and more powerful body. He forever lives as a living sacrifice to show that what was offered is validated in the spiritual world and forever will be the once and for all remedy of both death and life. His offering covers you and I, and it remains to continue its work. So we die to our life just as the offering died upon the brazen altar. We come with the purpose of surrendering ourselves, not satisfying ourselves. Friend, there is a vast difference between surrendering yourself and satisfying yourself when placed under the microscope of worship. One must enter to serve, honor, and remand the glory of which the one worshipped is due. He or she enters to proclaim by his tongue and by his actions the thankfulness for the provision given for their freedom. The other, the one who seeks to satisfy himself, he comes as a seeker. He or she seeks answers, blessings, and things from God. This one is not concerned with the worship of God for what he has already given them. They are after the next thing or the next gift of which they can, in essence, try to force or manipulate God to produce for their satisfaction. All that they get is the satisfaction of the soulish realm because every Sunday they come, they worship in the same soulish realm and they walk out the door and they face the same struggles, the same trials, the same temptation and the same guilt until the guilt becomes so overshadowed by their soulish mind that they can no longer recognize the sin in which they live. My friend, this is not worship at all. If we were worshiping, we would place worship in a position where we brought with our worship no motives except the underlying idea of worshiping, honoring, praising, and pleasing God. However, we have been programmed to be a seeker, not a servant. We've been developed We've even developed a name for how our church should function with this seeking in mind, and we refer to it as a seeker 
sensitive church. This is not the purpose of how we should be doing church. Now look at our modern day churches. Look at the, what they call the postmodern church. Full of systems. Watch what they do. They put out flags and balloons to attract attention. What are they doing? Ministering to the soulish realm. We meet them in the parking lot to shower them with our attention. What are we doing? Ministering to the soulish realm. We greet them in the vestibule to let them know how important they are and how much we appreciate them having any thought about coming to visit our church. We are ministering to the soulish realm. We usher them to their seat while others are sitting at the ready to surround them and begin to inquire all about them. We are ministering to the soulish realm. They ask questions that get them to talk about themselves because we're ministering to the soulish realm. Who are you? What do you do? Where have you been going to church? And a plethora of other questions. Then that group goes and fills in another group so that they can come and further minister to the soulish realm. My, my, my. They, whoever they are, that has walked in to this church now is the absolute center of attention. Their soulish realm has been activated to the point that they see themselves as accepted in somebody. And because of it, they think they are the reason we're having church. This place, many have said, is just made for them. And we have them in mind in all that we do to provide church. We are ministering to the soulish realm. Then we recognize them, and of course everybody claps to greet them, and we find members in our church who may live in their neighborhood to be able to relate to them. It's all about them, but none of it is about what is in their inner man. It's all about ministering to the soulish realm. Now does any of this set an atmosphere where the focus is on anything but them and their family and their soulish value to the church? Of course not. Now then we go into worship. And again, we spend our time ministering to the soulish realm. Now leading up to worship, everything has been in the soulish realm. Some can recenter, maybe, possibly, some can get their mind back on the reason they're in church to worship. Most cannot. Then the music begins, and it begins a production that is centered on entertainment on the soulish realm. There's nothing that sets the foundation for worship. Music becomes the next source of distraction because the emphasis goes from the family to the entertainers, and it's almost like they're sitting at home watching a program that would entertain their soulish realm. The lights go down and the building gets dark. The beat booms out of the sound system. People begin to move in rhythm with the music. Their mind is now moved into a, another soulish realm focus. It's not the words that they're about to sing concerning Jesus. 
It's the beat of the bass line from which the music is played. We began to be distracted. We went into another distraction and we have yet to ever bow the knee and become a living sacrifice that has been made to be acceptable to God. We become systematic in our approach and paganistic in our style of worship. Why is that? Because we never really worshipped our Lord. We worshipped the things that were comforting to our natural man. Think about that. We worship people. They came in and we just fell all over them. Then we worship music. We were entertained. We did so in darkness. We worship the entertainers. They danced and jumped and raised their hands. and We worship and we mimic that. But we never worship the one for whom the things that we said that we were in this place and that we were supposed to be focused upon, we never did go into worship. We went into the soulish realm. We never entered into the spirit world. We never walked in to, to a place where we could cross over into the spirit world. We said we were at church. We said we were there to worship Jesus. But I think you can see that we've worshipped everything but the giver and the gift of God. What should church look like? Should church not be a friendly place? Of course it should be. But church should never lose the central focus that Jesus Christ is Lord. Church should never lose the central focus of our service and servitude to the one who gave his life for us and who opened the avenue into the throne room of God. Should church not have a time of praise? Absolutely, but that time of praise should be centered squarely on bringing people into the spirit of worship because that's who he's seeking. He's seeking those that will worship him in spirit and truth where there is no entertainment value, but there is a crossover into the spirit world where you are moved internally in the spirit. Should church not develop an atmosphere where worship is completed? Absolutely. But church must be a place where the main thing is the main thing. Jesus Christ is Lord. We come to bow and worship. We come to pronounce glory for him and what he has done. If we lose sight of that, we can have the largest church in town and we will accomplish absolutely nothing of an eternal value. Visitors must be made to feel welcome and loved, there is no doubt. They are not to be made to feel as if they are the reason for us being here. That is a message that is being portrayed today. It's false, and it leads to a lukewarm church because the purpose of the gospel and the things that Jesus began to do and to teach must be the central focus of why we go to church, why we worship, who we worship, how we worship, and that should be followed up by the word of revelation that comes to bear about the one of whom we have been worshiping. Everything in church must have uh, as its driving and motivating force the message of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
And that includes what's done in the music and the message in which it's delivered. If it does not lead us into the spirit, then it is, it is, is of absolutely zero value because it has zero impact in the heavenly economy. If it does not drive us to bow the knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then it is energy. It is a force, but it is a wasted force. We come with the purpose of offering what we possess from our spirit, soul, and body to show our gratitude and thanks for what he has done, for the provision of our freedom from transgression, iniquity, from captivity, from lost peace. We are now free. We're no longer in bondage. We're not broken, bruised, blinded. We're no longer poor. That's what we come to worship. We remain alive, but having crucified our flesh, we are dead to the things that sin would bring to satisfy us. Sin that satisfies is a satisfaction of the soulish realm of man where entertainment diffuses the spirit world. Oh my God. And all of a sudden, all we get is what we can sense in our mind, will, and emotion from our natural capacity. But we are to offer ourselves as crucified in the spirit world with him. That's the purpose of church. We take our sacrifice, which has now become a living sacrifice, from the altar of our offering and begin there the process of worship. By sacrificing, we now become the priest of our own sacrifice. We wash ourselves in the water of the truth of the word of God. This cleanses us and purges us until it refines us. So when the scripture refers to us as priests or members of the priesthood, the reference is to what we should be doing with respect to worship. What we should be doing, enhancing, developing in the process of worship. We should be coming to wash ourselves until we are in the image of Jesus Christ. Our churches aren't doing that. Our churches are not making worship about the main thing. They flow from song to song and beat to beat, word to word. We never bring into account the time when praise and worship of the surrender of uplifted hands must come into play where we simply honor him, not with the music, not by bouncing to the beat, not by dancing to the music that is paganistic in general, but by coming into the Spirit of God. Now, you're not going to get into this if you wait until Sunday morning. If you have no prior preparation, no prayer, no reading, no time spent in the spirit world in your personal closet, then you will not come into the spirit world on Sunday morning. As a matter of fact, you will come into the spirit world 
of which you will think it will be the spirit world. It'll be nothing more than the realm of your flesh. And you'll go through the motions thinking you've been in the spirit, walk out the door and get hit square in the face by all of the demonic activity of the world that surrounds you, having no covering, having never been to the secret place of the Most High God, having never been placed under the shadow of his wings, having never had the buckler and the shield to surround you. Why? Because you did nothing before church. You lived in the world and you looked like the world, you talked like the world, you act like the world, you ate like the world, and then you came to church on Sunday expecting that you would be in the spirit and you got in the flesh. What? You got in the flesh because your soulish realm was ministered to. What about the preaching of the word of God? What about that, pastor? You heard the message, but the message doesn't resonate in your soul. Why? Because you've done nothing to prepare yourself for it to resonate in your soul. You have worked yourself into an energy reduction by how you handle the music and the so-called worship. Until by the time that's done, you're ready to sit down and more or less tell the preacher, let's get done. Because your energy has been placed on something that had no spiritual value had no spiritual value, your soul was ministered to, your soulish realm, your mind, will, and emotions. But unless you are preparing your spirit man during the week and you come into the house of God to worship in the spirit, the word of God will flow off of you just as water flows off the back of a duck. How do we know it? We don't have to wonder. We don't have to think. I don't have to call names. All we have to do is look at our world. We've got the gospel coming on every corner. We've got the gospel coming through every church. We've got the gospel coming through every means of media. We've got the gospel coming into every house, as I told you from my study of the book of Revelation. But yet, our world lives in turmoil. Our world is crazy. Why? Because our spirits have never been prepared to accept the word of God. We have never come into the place of worship where our spirit man is prepared to accept the revelation of the word of God. So the man of God holds no relevance in your mind because the man of God does not satisfy and pique your soulless realm. He does not entertain you. And then there are those that do. They tell jokes, they use illustrations, they laugh and they giggle and they lead you into all histrionics as if they are a comedian. And you're engaged with that and you say, he's the greatest, I just love to listen to him. Yes, you do. Because he does for you the same thing the music does. Absolutely nothing in your spirit world. He satisfies your soulish realm. So then you leave church and face the world with your soulish realm satisfied and all of a sudden in the demonic world, your mind, will, and emotion gets challenged with the crises of life and you have absolutely nothing 
to stand and withstand the trials of the devil. Why? Because you did not come in to worship appropriately. You did not prepare for the word of God. You did not prepare in worship sacrificing yourself. You allowed someone else to do the sacrificing for you. And they stood on a stage, often in a dark room, jumped and shouted. And have you watched them when it's done? They go and sit down and have absolutely no interaction with the Word of God. Why? Because they have expanded a wasted energy on their soulish realm. And they become too disengaged in their natural man to be able to allow the word of God to minister to them. My friends, if it's not true, why in the world are the churches that have the greatest performances, why are the churches that have the least bit of ministerial revelation, why are the churches that have no move of the Spirit of God in them, why are the churches that have the best comedian in the pulpit, why are they growing? Because we have taught men that worship is the satisfaction of their soulish self. And if it satisfies your soul, your mind, will, and emotion, and if it entertains you, and if it keeps your attention, then that is what worship is. My friend, I'm here to tell you today, that's not what the Father's seeking. He's seeking those that will worship Him in spirit and truth. You will never worship God in spirit and truth when that spirit and truth is not coming to you from the source of divine revelation. You will never worship Him in spirit and truth absent of the use of, the release, and the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you'll minister to your people today. Open our eyes, God, before it's too late. We live in the last day. We know that. I pray that you'll open our eyes so that we can see truth and begin to come into a place of worship where we can move over into the spirit world. And there we can profit, as Paul said we would, and have advantage, as Paul said we would. We ask it all in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Find him as Lord, my friends. He will minister in you with grace and the blood to bring out of you great things that your faith can grab. Find him as the man in the Godhead. From there, he will minister and manufacture things that will lead you and guide you into the advantages in this world and show you great things to come. May God bless you until we speak again. Hold on a minute.